So what we're trying to do here is rebuild the middle because it's like I said, we are losing that middle. And that's what's driving the assault on democracy. Once they divide us, they can conquer us. Yeah. So we need to rebuild a liberal middle, start to promote liberal ideas and liberalism as because that's what our constitution is. That's what our country is. And that's how it's been founded. Excellent. So what, what we're doing in West Los Angeles, I'm co-hosting another Jan 6 justice, our freedoms, our vote event, at the federal building on Wilshire near the 405 freeway. And then on the 16th, Dom is doing a jam session in Fountain Valley at Miles Square Park. And I'm going to let her talk about that. And, and our next program next month, we will be meeting earlier on, I believe that would be what the fourth, the third, it's the first Sunday of the month before we vote. She's going to talk about the importance of voting. So thank you very much. I'm going to hand it over to Dom right now. Thank you, Dom. Thank you, Richard. And thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Richard, we even have some great questions. We're going to include those right about in a few minutes around to you. So take a look at those so that you can prepare some really succinct answers for everyone on those. Okay. And uh, we do have some amazing events happening, as you heard Richard talk about for the January 6th events that we're having. Um, I am putting on my business. Uh, you guys know I'm in the health and wellness space. Uh, Denise, before I continue, she's right. Everyone listen where you're from, your city, your state, the area, so we can all know who's in the in the coalition family here. So go ahead and do that in the chat while we continue our discussion. So yes, I really uh, care a lot about our communities here. And so it's a mile square jam sesh where we are including health and wellness vendors. We're going to have actual musical performers here in our uh, from Orange County, from L.A. County coming down. Uh, we're all going to come together. We're going to have candidates who are up and down the ballot there also being there with the community, speaking to us and harmonizing with us. And we're even going to have outdoor yoga if that's your thing. So it's going to be a wonderful event and we are inviting all of you all to come down and enjoy no matter where you are i'm seeing montebello pasadena come down for the day come spend time with the community that you spend time with on sunday now listen we don't have too much uh you know we've moved along here we have a little bit more time left i want to talk a little bit more about to continue richard's thought about the supreme court now, what we have seen the Supreme Court do, my friends, and please do listen carefully, is that there have been fewer uh, rights for disfavored groups. And what does that mean? So the court, as Richard has mentioned, has become a very supermajority in favor of the conservative element of our society. And while the court has been highly solicitous toward conservative Christian groups, it's been a little bit less sympathetic to religious liberty claims brought by groups that are not necessarily a part of the Republican Party's uh, core supporters. And I'm going to give you an example, a glaring example of this is the double standard in the Trump versus Hawaii, which was in 2018, which the court's Republican appointees upheld the then President Trump's policy banning most people from several Muslim majority nations from entering the United States. And they did this despite the fact that Trump repeatedly bragged about his plans to implement a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States. And, you know, the 
to continue it, and similarly, in the uh, there was a Dunn versus Ray, which was in 2019. Again, continuing the point of the conservative leaning of the court today, the court's Republican appointees uh, ruled against a Muslim death row inmate who sought to have a spiritual advisor, his personal imam, there upon his death. And so, you know, this triggered a backlash, and the court appeared to back away for a while. But nevertheless, during November's oral arguments in another prison religion case, this one brought by a Christian inmate who wishes to have a pastor lay hands on him, several justices appeared less concerned with whether ruling against this inmate would violate the Constitution. So while the court typically sides with conservative Christians in religious liberty cases, people of different faiths or even Christians pursuing causes that aren't aligned with political conservatism, they may be less likely to earn the court's favor. It's important to understand that while we see that, yes, religion is a part of our country, we know that. We understand that when you go to court, you put your hand on the Bible and you promise to tell truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God. We understand that in God we trust is on the dollar bill. We understand when we say the Pledge of Allegiance, we talk about the God. We understand that these are elements that have been integrated into the fabric of our country. However, when our constitution was first created, years back in the 1700s, there were very few religions, just a handful. And now you and I both know we have dozens, hundreds of different ways of believing. And it's important to Richard's point that we do not segregate and isolate religion from at all being something that we discuss as a part of the political mainframe. But unlike what the Supreme Court is now leaning into, we do not want to make the law for all citizens of the United States of America, something that aligns with only one belief system. Our country needs to be reasonable. Our systems, our governments, our governors, our legislators, executive, judicial, legislative, as Richard talked about, must operate in a place of balance so that everyone feels seen, everyone feels heard, and everyone feels understood. We are, after all, the United States of America. Does that unity mean that it's going to be easy? I don't think so, Richard. I don't think that unity, saying that we're united, means, okay, we're united. It's easy as, as cake. Actually, it's hard to achieve because just like this coalition on this uh, podcast today, we're from different parts of the world. We are different colors. We are different backgrounds. We are different belief systems, but yet we are here. And Richard, you said something that touched one of our listeners today, that we are not operating out of hatred but love. And that's what we are trying to pull together, love and unity. We need more unity and harmony. And our young children coming up today, the Supreme Court is supposed to be an arbiter of balance, what we look to as an apolitical system, but it has become completely compromised. And so what do we do about this? Because we know we're hearing all of these things happening. We see it happening in front of us. Well, what can we do, right? Well, we must raise our voices. We must raise our voices in an understanding that what we see the Supreme Court becoming and leaning so far in one way is wrong. We must speak to our neighbors. We must speak to our friends. We must become informed through podcasts and different things of this sort. And we need to make sure we are talking to others so that they too are learning and growing to see 
the ineptitudes and the the pains that are happening right now. Thank you, Megan. We'd love to have you that are happening right now and how we can achieve balance and peace in our country that is severely leaning in the wrong direction. Now, listen, every civilization has reached an inflection point where they have come to a point where it's like we must choose progress or going backwards. I'm a firm believer, my friends, that the United States of America is it is the great experiment of this world. And I'm a firm believer that we are equipped to overcome this time. I'm an optimist forever so, but I believe with optimism, with love and with care and with a hard fight, we will get more balance in our Supreme Court again. We will get more balance in our branches of government. And it starts with you and I, because there are far more of you and I than there are of others. So what I'd like to do to continue this point is to get your questions, your concerns, and let's make this a robust discussion down through the end of our podcast here. So first, Richard, I would like to go to the questions that are in the chat. And what we want to do is we want to start up top. And I want to uh, speak on the question of what Don said. So Richard, if you can answer this, how do you define neoliberalism versus liberalism? Okay, that's a very good question, actually, because that's the confusion. That's why the use of the word neoliberal is being used because of that confusion. So the word neoliberal it really describes conservatism. It's, it describes a capitalist market economy type of driven. If you thought about what traditional Republicans wore before Trump and before the mega movement, that's basically what they mean when they describe neoliberalism. The problem with the word is that you're putting a neo in front of liberalism, and there's a lot of criticism on the left towards liberalism as somehow not revolutionary, or there's that liberalism, and even the individualism of liberalism, that um, the individual is the center rather than groups of people being organizing around. It's the basis of human and civil rights. That's liberalism. Liberalism is the basis that, that grew out of the Enlightenment mm. and came, it actually came out of Paul's. And sometimes when we talk about the Bible, we tend to think that, oh, that's just for religious people. But no, the mm -hmm. Bible is a book of literature. It's a book of philosophy. It's yes. a book of insight and wisdom. It's a spiritual book. It's yeah. a book that should teach us what it means to be spiritual and what it means to do justice. That Bible is mostly about governance and pursuing a just world. So yeah. Paul said, and but now I lost where I was, <laughs> uh, what I was talking about, because I changed subjects really quick. No, but sometimes we don't see what's, that's another thing. Sometimes we don't see the propaganda that's fed to us. But right. basically, that's the difference. Liberal, traditional liberalism, defend the Constitution, support civil and human rights, mm -hmm. support democracy, and mm -hmm being open to different points of views, whereas neoliberalism, neoliberalism is simply conservative, but we decided to put the word liberal in there because both sides are attacking liberalism. Because Love we, yeah, right, because Marxist 
you know, it's not the individual rights that are important. It's the economy. It's not democracy. It's capitalism. There's a whole different analysis with socialism than with liberalism. And so I think, yeah, yeah, we need to build that up. Thank you, Dom. Yeah, no, thank you for that. That was a really well-stated answer. And I I appreciate that personally. Right. And if people want to unmute themselves and put themselves on camera and ask them questions themselves. That would yeah. be great to see your face and have you answer the questions if possible. Absolutely. In fact, I was going to say, I would like to put a question to the group and everyone come on and talk. I, I see someone have turned on their cameras. Hello, Carol. Good to see you as well. <laughs> so I want to ask everyone, a qu- oh, there's that smile. There she is. I want to ask everyone uh, a question. The court's basically hearing more and more religious hearings and being interested in this kind of this fight over religious uh, 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 kind of debates and and things of that sort. What are your thoughts about that? How do you guys feel about the Supreme Court being a supermajority in favor of conservatism? Please speak on camera. Say your thoughts. This is a safe space. We're not here to judge. We're here to open up discussion for thought. Any any feelings about what's happening today? Just go right on and unmute and you can go ahead and speak or you can raise your hand if you'd like and we can make sure we call on you. And I also see that Dom had a Don, Don Mason had a question here. And I don't know if he wants to unmute and ask his question. Um, um and that would I was, be great. I was saying it's dangerous. Mm, tell um, us why you feel it's dangerous, Iris. Um, oh, gosh, because it's, it's, they're making so many slanted decisions, you know, that are, are very obviously political in, in nature. You know, they, it's 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 not representative of what the majority of american people are um are uh, be- believing tend to believe you know when they take the polls um you know so statistically speaking and so it's not it's not even representative of of what the american people are in favor of which brings the question you know should they make the Supreme Court larger, you know, to represent the people better, you know, and that's something that I've debated myself. Um, Because is nine people really representative of 50 states and DC and Puerto Rico, you know, so how is that fair? Um, So that's another question, you know. Um, But they're, they're so obviously you know, justices are supposed to be impartial, and I think it's very obvious that they're not being impartial. I mean, I think it's desperately obvious that they're not being impartial. <laughs> yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, that that's I, I think it's it's undeniably obvious, um, and 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 especially everything going into it with what was said before they were nominated and and then the president um the president you know Donald Donald Trump at the time what he was saying and all the republicans in the senate and the 
Congress what they were saying when they were talking about nominating these people. And they nominated the kind of people that they said they were going to nominate. So that even proves that they were going to be um, conservative, leaning, politically um, leaning, and that they were going to vote the way that they're voting. So it's not ever, it's never even been under the table. It's always been, the cards have always been facing up, you know? So it's never been a secret that that's, we always knew what we were going to get, you know? So, um, you know, it was never a surprise. Right, right. But one thing, um, yeah, obviously, changing the number of people on the Supreme Court is one of those long-term solutions that may or may not happen. It's probably right. going to take right constitution. And so, they've talked about that, right, Richard? They've talked about, you know, that's been uh, kind of on the table even since the Biden, Biden administration of packing the court, but it's such a hot topic to do. You know what I mean? Right, um, and, right. But I mean, to your point, I mean, uh, there is... There, there actually is an argument to be made, I might say, and then we can go to Samuel. I want to put this thought out there, Richard. I don't know if you've heard of this, but there's an argument to be made that I think it was back, uh, was it back in the early 1900s when they they changed the number of Supreme Court justices that were to be on the court because of the districts? Okay, mm. do you guys know what I'm talking about? And then- I remember. But yeah, go Cheryl, ahead, you're go shaking ahead. Your- shaking your head. And so uh, there's been an argument that there's uh, there's more districts than there are nine. So we should expand it to like 13 and then thereby get more Supreme Court justices on the court. So that's an argument that's out there. Um, uh, I'll leave that there. Samuel, your hand is up. Please um, uh, unmute and speak. And I want to make sure to get to Don's question eventually. Yes. You know, so we may, may that. I'm unmuted, but I'm not clear. Now I'm clearer because that hotspot of slow connection, I cannot, you cannot okay. see me while I talk. Um, here's the situation. Um, I think we should pack the court, but I think we should limit it. I have to study. I know California has 12 years for their Supreme Court justices. We have to see what states, um, what other states um, have that, but that's the idea of 12, 16 years. You can't have it for life. Like um, you can get Alzheimer's. By the way, Bob Avakian's uh, um, government uh, proposal of the Democratic Communists, even he wanted a full life term of Congress. No, that's no good. Um, so um, I think there should be a, also a code of ethics uh, that is lacking. I think it'd be easiest to add a code of ethics first, packing the court. Um, But I think um, it would be uh, better to do that. And we have to, uh, hopefully after November, have a a more democratic Senate to do that. Thank you. I'll have to leave at three because I have another phone bank to do. Thank Thank you. you. Thank Thank you, Samuel. Uh, Richard, go ahead and answer Don's question, please. Oh, well, I just wanted to say um, some of those are long-term solutions, Samuel. Some of those are short-term solutions. They're they're all available, in my opinion, ultimately. We have to stop thinking that 
um, like that liberal who said, everybody's just going to come over to our side. When we look at how people are voting, that really tells us where we are with the electorate. We need to do a, a better job there and um, be more expansive. And that's why I think we need to build the middle, rebuild the liberal center. Um, now, let me go to Don's question here. And let me go back up to it here. Um, Don asked, um, how do we do, okay, so I'm not sure I'm following Richard's points about using it. How do we do that while we maintaining our assistance on separation of church and state? I've seen many religious folks illustrating and emphasizing how badly the right wing is out of step with the principles that Jesus taught. And that's absolutely correct. They're completely out of step with what scripture teaches. Mm -hmm. Scripture is about loving your neighbor, loving your enemies, welcoming the stranger, treating the foreigner as one native born, um, lifting up the lowly, bringing down the powerful, just living justly. That's what it's about, and it's been distorted. Now, on the question of um, the separation of church and state, um, some of you may have heard this before, but essentially the church is not prohibited from doing anything. In fact, the church is protected under the Constitution. And um, obviously the state cannot establish its own religion or favor one religion over another, um, but there's nothing that prevents it from supporting religion or um, treating religion as just another corporate entity, another person or citizen or group or organization within its borders. There's no actual limitation imposed on the church. In fact, it's only the state that is limited by the constitution. So the church and church members are free to do, say, believe, whatever they want. And that's our constitution. So when you have these personal beliefs, okay, and these personal values, these spiritual Christian values, whatever they are, right wing or left wing, you cannot prevent that from going into the polls. That's going to go into the polls. That's what people think. That's what people believe. That's their personal views. The only thing that affects our personal, our views on how to vote are our personal views, our personal values, our personal beliefs. There's no way, and it should not be a way, that we should somehow keep politics separate from religion because it simply is not. In fact, in the ancient world, kings were gods, and everyone was a theocracy, and we still treat our leaders as if they were gods. We expect them to be perfect, or, or we complain about, somebody yesterday was complaining about how it's a choice between two evils, but the reason it is is because of negative campaign advertising primarily, and there are some good, they're not all bad. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so basically only the state is prohibited. And so when we talk about the church and ideology, theology, philosophy, values, beliefs, those are all open game, open mm -hmm for in the political discussion all of that is so um there is no separation of church issue when we're getting people in the church to vote and act in accordance with the values and beliefs mm -hmm. as presented in scripture and that's what we should do and we should welcome christians into the movement not tell them to keep their religion elsewhere but to tell them what true religion is about and not what right. this phony religion is about 
and and to that point, Richard, by including Christians into uh, and really embracing them uh, in democratic principles, we're allowing them to exercise, like you said, their values, their beliefs. We're actually, as as those who choose to be followers, let's say, of Christ and things of that sort, you there's an opportunity inherent within uh, how you can exercise your citizenship to be benevolent and be kind and be a part of the process and do what you would see Jesus would want you to do. So it's so important for us to include everyone in the process because when people start to feel left out to your point, Richard, which I think is perfect, there is division and you a divide and conquer. It, it is so true. It's a part of the game. So everyone, it's so important and we're going to get ready to close out here that we remember that unity it is the antidote to division and that love is the only thing that can squash out fear. And we do not want to walk around in fear of our neighbors because they believe differently than we do in fear of uh, one another because we are of different religious beliefs. And yes, Denise, you are correct. The government is, is should not be open or should not be uh, well, propagating a religion that others should follow in any way. You are correct on that. Um, but to Richard's point, it's very, it's almost impossible to not to rip apart um, religious pe people and their religious beliefs from how they're going to interact with politics because it's going to affect how they interact. Now, our legislators and our governors, who are they? They are people who were born, who are raised with religious beliefs and things of that sort, too. And I believe, like Wayne said, it's impossible for them not to be biased. So we are doing our best uh, as a society, I think, to work in a way that is effective and reasonable for all, although we are imperfect and we are naturally biased just inherently. So it's this juggle. And we need to oper operate with one another with, I feel, with grace so that we can get through it. Something that I want to bring up to you all is perhaps us as a, as a coalition, as the Truth and Democracy Coalition, Richard, what do you think? Um, all of us writing a letter together um, to our judiciary, you know, and sending it to our judiciary and letting them know our thoughts, our feelings on the subject, how we see that what they're doing and the the uh, the effects of the decisions that they're making. And we can all kind of sign it and stand together as a coalition. Would everyone be uh, on board to do something like that if we got that together and Richard and I sent that forward? Uh, can I get some hands? Yes, Carol. Yes, Dixie. Oh, wonderful. Sure. Can I get any hands? Go ahead. What'd you say? Iris? I said, sure. But um, here, I'll put my hand up. But hey, my, you, my other thought, my, my, I just wanted to um, say um, maybe like a, a thought was maybe have another session on perhaps discussing how to approach um, going about Include, including people with a Christian background with love because mm. in, in, in includes, including them and with unity because with my experience, which is kind of quite extensive, um, 
and and this is this is unfortunate to say to have to say this, but it's it for me, Christian people tend to be the most difficult people to um bring into the picture as compared to people of other religions, they tend to be the most rigid in my experience when it comes to bringing in um, the, the picture as compared to other religions, they tend to be um, just the most rigid and structured and least flexible in my experience mm-hmm. when it, when it comes to um, saying, Hey, let's let everybody, uh, you know, I was just watching this TikTok. And this this guy has this TikTok and he says, you know, like freedom of religion is this is one of the things he says is saying, you know, I have the freedom to means I am free to make the the choices with my with my religion to to decide to do or not do something because of my religion. It does not mean that I can tell you what not to do because of my religion. Correct. And um, many other people of other religions tend to understand that, but Christian people tend to be the ones who, in my experience, don't understand that, want to tell other people what to do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think you know. Yeah. I think it's important to recognize more than any other. Right. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I think it's important to recognize that there's much wider diversity in <laughs> Christianity than we tend to recognize. And that's partly because we've silenced the liberal church and told them that they shouldn't be involved in in re- politics from a religious with their religious views. And right. and that has silenced the liberal church. So we've silenced the liberal church, but there's a huge, we talk about William Barber, we're going to talk about the Episcopal church and its leadership, Mm -hmm. Methodist, you know, talk about liberation theologians. I'm involved in academia and religious pursuit, the religious study, the study of religions. So that's a whole nother area Mm -hmm. of the study of religion and whole groups of intellectual Christians. I leftists, Christians. So there's a much more diverse range of Christians. And um, some, yes, some are very stubborn, but I don't think that that characterizes the full church um, here in America. And I guess it's very, very, maybe it's a lot of the evangelical ones. I I do know what I do. I do know William Barber. I, I, you're right about that. Right. And Iris, you know, you make a very good point. And, and I appreciate, um, you know, what you're saying, you know, that about Christians, what you're saying, sometimes it can seem very difficult. But like Richard's saying, there are different uh, denominations, different beliefs of Christianity, different right. people with different thoughts. And I actually really do believe that when we sit down and we talk to one another, most people who identify as Christian, like Richard said, they just want to do the right thing. 
They just want to love their neighbor and do what's right. And I think you make a good suggestion about talking in future podcasts about how to include our Christian brothers and sisters more into our movements forward as a liberal democracy moving forward. Okay. It looks like um, we have questions. We we know Deborah Britt Thomas had her hand up. I'm wondering if she had a question. And Don has asked another question. (laughs) <laughs> which is a little complicated. I, I hope you to come in and, and explain it to us. Okay, so let's, let's do this because we have a few more minutes, guys. We don't want to go too long. Um, let's take Deborah. Do you want to say what you were going to say before we get to Don? No, no, no. I didn't have a question. I just wanted to raise my hand to say I thought it was a good idea to reach out to the evangelical Christian community. Thank you, Deborah. Okay. Thank you so much. I love that. Uh, Dixie. Yeah, I want to say that I'm an evangelical Christian uh, who is anti-Trump. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm a, a very strong evangelical Christian, in fact. But um, yeah. yeah, yeah, there it is. See, Iris, there you go right there. Dixie, she's saying, hey, I'm evangelical, but I, I believe in, in, in important good principles of morality and, and ethics and what's right and wrong. <laughs> That's nice to hear. And I I just want to do a short answer to Don, because the bottom line is this is all about individual rights. It's the individual rights of every individual person, be they Christian or non-Christian, to have a say in our religious, in our process, to speak their truth and their values to power. And so this is all about individual rights. Liberalism is about individual rights. And so... um, nobody's stepping on anybody's toes by quoting the Bible or using religious language or organizing at church. Nobody is stepping on the constitution or doing anything wrong by doing that. And the main thing I'm advocating is that we need to do that if we can, if it has, if it's not already too late. That's right. That's right, Richard. And I love what Mario said. He said, Christianity is, he said, it's transforming towards justice. (laughs) Yes, that's how it should be. Yes. should be so listen everyone this has actually been a really robust discussion we didn't miss out on anything we really had some wonderful conversations quick recap we discussed the supreme court where it is how it's leaning and where we're going we discussed how they are unfortunately leaning in a way and i received made a very excellent point that it's obvious what they're doing in a way that is not in cohesion with the american people at large we've also recognized and discussed as richard brought up to us wonderfully that we need to focus on uniting with love and not hatred. And it's so important to remember that no matter where we are on the spectrum of religion, be it Christianity, be it Catholicism, be it a Protestant, a Methodist, uh, anything else, at the end of the day, scripture even, if that is what you choose to believe in, guides us in the ways of wisdom and goodness, and we want to continue to pursue that. We, my dear friends, are on the vanguard as a coalition of making sure that our country doesn't lose its way any further. And yes, we are powerful. Yes, we are mighty. And do not think we're just a few. We are representative 
of many. And so we will continue the discussion. I'm glad you guys all agree on bringing Christians into liberalism and helping them to find and have a home and feel loved and appreciated and honored and not rejected. And I think Richard and I are going to do something really wonderful. We're going to, since everyone, uh, Richard, remember everyone on this call, we want to get their uh, signatures and their names. We are going to send a letter. Let's put it together to our judiciary, up to our nation and let them know what we are seeing and how we feel. Okay, everyone, does that sound good? Yes, awesome. Thank you everyone for being a part of the Truth and Democracy Coalition. Please go to truthanddemocracycoalition.com to see the new refurbished and beautiful website. Also stay uh, attuned to all of the amazing podcasts we have coming November 6th. Two days before the election, you guys, we're going to have one more uh, episode in this series on the arc of democracy on voting. So be ready because I have some awesome information for you about voting, how it all began, who got the rights to vote first and why it went in that order. Okay, so I will love you guys all. We appreciate you all. Have a great Sunday. And again, remember, democracy is something that must always be fought for. Okay, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.